As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. Zach Jackson, getting you ready for Thursday. Brown Steelers, big one. Um, it's a big one under any circumstances. And listen guys, I know a little about hangovers. I mean, the Browns got to have a hell of a one, right? Um, that was, even three days later, it remains unfathomable, inexcusable, certainly is the word that comes to mind. Um, different guys have taken blame. There were multiple layers to it. There certainly wasn't one play or one decision that went into it, but fundamental football failures of letting guys behind you. I mean, wide receivers were open all day, um, but the numbers say the Browns should have won the game. Your eyes say the Browns should have won the game, you know, and and they didn't. And, um, again, not, not on one person in the secondary, not on the defensive coordinator. Um, and the sky isn't necessarily falling. Because you have a chance to win division games, they matter. We know the shape of the season. Um, the Browns can still be three and one to start. They can get themselves, you know, corrected here. Um, be one and zero in the division. Get the mini buy to to kind of work on some things and get to really fixing it. And frankly, when your pass defense sucks, playing against Mitch Trubisky and Matt Canada, the Steelers' offensive coordinator, um, beats most alternatives. We know Mitch is from Northeast Ohio. We know Mitch is a good person. And everyone um, would like him to succeed on some level. And no one says that he's a bad person, but he's traditionally been a pretty bad NFL quarterback. Um, you, you know, just following along in Pittsburgh, there's public criticism of the play calling. There's too many short passes and there's been failures. But, you know, the Steelers are one and one, too, in two strange games. They're like a lot of teams like the Browns. There are a few plays from being 0 and 2. There are a few plays from being 2-0, so this is a big one. Um, the Browns need to run it well, block it well. Um, this is Wednesday morning as we record, and we don't know the status of Miles Garrett. Because we know Jadavian Clowney's out, that's a little bit concerning. Um, obviously, Miles is Superman, and if there's any way he can play, he will play. Um, but for all the defensive failures last week, and there were many, and guys were open in the first quarter just like they were in the fourth, 
you know, once Clowney went out, there was really a lot of extra Jets attention paid to Miles. And the other guys are young, and they're just not there. And Chase Winovich, one of them who's played in games. And, um, you know, not that he's a world beater by any means, but he's now on IR. So we'll see. Um, the Browns are going to be tested in lots of ways this week. And, yes, the defensive coordinator and the special teams coach should absolutely be on the hot seat. And by proxy, the head coach is too. This is a big game. This is a big, big game for Denzel Ward and for Grant Delpit and for John Johnson and for Greg Newsom and for everybody. And miles or no miles, um, and whether it's Anthony Walker and JOK or it's Taven Bryan or A.J. Green coming off the bench, the Browns need playmakers. They need guys to understand their assignments. Um, it's just the past defense for the last five quarters has been incredibly bad at every level. And um, Kevin Stefanski never loses his cool, guys. We know that. Some people think that's a minus on him, whatever. We can discuss that later. The ball hits Corey Davis's hands, and Stefanski throws his head. I mean, that's just inexcusable. How, how do you not have multiple guys deep? How do you let a guy 15 yards open? And, of course, they don't get the onside kick, and they should have run out of the clock before that and all that. Um, it's bad. So how do you remedy it? You get a win, and that's what you do. So, um, you know, short weeks are tough physically on, on and mentally on teams. Um, the Browns have been pretty good on Thursday night. They've been pretty good at home under Stefanski. You know, they had the big one, the playoff game. Uh, otherwise, against the Steelers, it hasn't gone well. But the Steelers are a slow-starting team. The Browns have been a fast-starting team. And just let me say, I'm really impressed with the way the quarterback played throughout the game last week. And I thought he earned more trust uh, from his coach. Um, Brissett's been good. He's been better than I thought, better than most of you thought. Right, and really impressed with how Stefanski is doing things early in games with the script and mixing things up, playing Michael Dunn as an extra tight end, moving tackles from side to side. We saw the backs together in week one. We didn't see him in week two. That gives the Steelers plenty to think about on a short week this week. We know how good those guys can be. So, um, you know, we know the plan is to get off to that hot start and see if your defense can just make a few plays. You know, frankly, I mean this 100% sincerely. The pass defense cannot be any worse. So a couple of plays. Um, the, the, the Steelers are not playing with much confidence. They do have a great receiving core, so we'll see. But just getting in the area of guys and making them contest catches, getting some hands in, in Mitch's passing lane and maybe diverting some routes will help. You can't just sit in zones all day. They'll get picked apart even by Mitch Trubisky. So we'll see. Um, talk more about the game with my buddy Mark Caboli here in just a minute. Um, my colleague Mark, who's covered the Steelers for a long time. But anyway, it's week three. We know uh, the Browns need to be three and one, just realistically with what's ahead on the schedule. But let's let's not even go more than a day ahead here, even on a podcast. And we don't determine the results, right? How, whatever it takes, and it probably takes 180 yards rushing and winning the time of possession again and forcing one or two turnovers, which they're capable of. Um, the Browns have to win this game or guys and girls it gets really really ugly if they don't alright as promised we go east to the wonderful city of Pittsburgh to my wonderful colleague Mark Caboli been covering the Steelers for a long time been coming on this podcast for several years spreading cheer and joy and insight you may love him or hate him from the AFC North whip around that's fine uh, you're headed to Cleveland tomorrow, right, Mark? 
Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, you know, <laughs> only place in the world where I have to pay like thirty dollars in tolls to get to the stadium. But I, yeah, you know, I can't you complain take about that, that, that up with your state, though. That's not ours. Yeah, I was say that. I think they charge us fifteen bucks just to come back into Pennsylvania. So. Yeah, no, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. When my brother was in Greensburg, it was like twenty five dollars to get there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's Pennsylvania for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, we hear it's a team game, right? And you win as a team and you lose as a team and all that stuff. But here on the podcast, we're going to play some blame, Mark. So through two games, the Steelers' offense stinks. Does the most blame go to the quarterback, the offensive line, or somewhere else? Oh, can I pick all three? now you know the funny thing is is we came into the season thinking the offensive line was just going to be an absolute wrecking disaster and it hasn't been good don't get me wrong here but it pales into comparison what you see from the quarterback and the offensive coordinator it's just been a disaster from top to bottom with those guys i mean the steelers refuse to throw the ball any more than five yards down the field the, court, the coordinator refuses to call any passes that goes five yards down the field, and nobody can come up with a plan if whose idea is it. Is it Mitch Trubisky not wanting to throw it down the field because uh, they've been slamming into his head for the past three months, they don't want him to turn over? Or does the coordinator don't trust him from throwing the ball down the field? They've been very, very predictable. Uh, these first two games, lucky to be one and one right now. Probably should have lost, lost that Cincinnati game. And it's just all to do with, you know, you, I guess it's any city quarterback, offensive coordinator. Give them both a lot of blame. And, man, it's just a gift that keeps on giving here in Pittsburgh because it's every day it's something different with with those two guys of trying to figure out what they are thinking. But this it hasn't been good, Zach, unless they totally – revamp their way of thinking in a span of one walkthrough basically which was tuesday uh, i can't see much changing for thursday oh i've got a solution for them the cleveland browns secondary (laughs) funny how that happens right (laughs) yeah you know mark it's obviously the steelers have been the steelers for a long time and they've had changes and obviously nobody wants to have mitch trubisky as their quarterback (laughs) right but you know what they're going to be the browns finally are starting to get some continuity, finally have guys that have played and coordinators and coaches that have stayed. And like this secondary is pretty talented, or at least so we think. So, so this is kind of stunning. Um, And, you know, it's an epic melt last week. So of course there's a hangover and of course there's dissension and we'll see it. But, you know, from afar, when I see Steelers players criticizing the play calling after just two games, I'm thinking, yeah, there, there really is a problem. You know, another thing is from afar of my way is, is you're talking uh, about the secondary and how bad they've been. They've went against Baker Mayfield and Joe Flacco. Right. <laughs> right. It's not like they've went against, you know, Joe Burrow and an up and coming Mac Jones like the Steelers have. So that's just crazy. You see Joe Flacco, what he was able to do to him last week. And you're thinking there has to be some kind of explanation here. But it's really not. I mean, right now, I would think that the Browns have a better opportunity to turn things around in in a quick instant than than the Steelers. Because, I mean, first of all, you have to be willing to do it. I mean, everybody's just jamming the box on the Steelers, too. It's eight, nine guys moving up because they know they're not even going to try to throw the ball, first of all, down the field more than – 
20 yards. I think he might have 10 throws of that much. And they don't touch the middle of the field at all. It's like you're not allowed to go anywhere near the middle of the field if you're a receiver's receiver. And it makes it very, very easy to defend here. So unless they somehow cobble a running game together with a running back like Najee Harris, who has some foot injuries, I mean, you're looking once again, first one to seven, first one to ten is going to win this game. <laughs> well, the Browns probably aren't going to jam the box. I mean, they sit in their zones. That's what they do. Um, you know, now obviously you there's not been a lot to respect in the downfield passing game, but um, you know, could a George Pickens breakout be coming? They have to throw the ball to him first. <laughs> He's been nothing but a decoy. So for and I'll be writing about this tomorrow or later today is that's all they've used him for. They use him to run off the safeties and try to get stuff underneath him. And everything we see of George Pickens, he's a he's a playmaker. He's a guy that can alter the games in big ways, and they're just not throwing the ball to him. He has six, um, I believe it's six targets in two games, one catch for two catches from like 10 or 15 yards. His longest throw was a throwaway, maybe 30 yards down the field, just – just to get rid of it. He's more of a four or five, 10 yard guy type of guy now, but they're not even interested in, in using him right now. And you try to get to the bottom of that. And that's like, you know, you know, trying to figure out the, the quadratic equation or something. Nobody will tell you, why aren't you using George Pickens? We all saw George Pickens in training camp. We all saw him in preseason. He's a monster. He's six four. He can go high point the ball. He can rip away from people. He can do what Nelson Aguilar did to Akilah Witherspoon last week in, in a touchdown where you just throw it up and you just rip it down. You can do the old Joe Flacco play and get the 15, 25, 30 yard penalty by just throwing it up to this guy. But they once again refuse to do it. Um, I think some of it might have to do with Trubisky with just being afraid that afraid to make make a mistake he knows a mistake or two and there's 20th overall pick sitting right behind him so he's trying to make as few as mistakes as possible and when you do that you're not making any plays yeah looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The, the Cleveland Browns who gave Deshaun Watson $230 million wouldn't draft George Pickens for character concerns. <laughs> yeah, I heard there was about a 10 or 12 people that took him off their, his board, and that's yeah. crazy. He's been nothing but a perfect student, as we like to call him around here. He's very well-spoken, very thoughtful, and there's nothing that – even when he, you know he can complain, he's not even complaining because he goes, oh, I'm just a rookie, so I – I don't know where those complaints come from. I, I know where they come from, but sometimes you have to 
you know, take yeah. a chance. And I think a lot of people missed the boat on him. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, we know what the Steelers have been defensively for a long time, but last year the run defense stunk. Um, is it any better? Yeah, they threw a lot of money into it. First of all, you got Tyson Alu-Alu back in the middle. You got your buddy up there, Larry Ogunjobi, taking over for Stefan Tudis, which is absolutely amazing. You got Cam Hayward, so your front three right there is all of a sudden better than last year. You throw in Miles Jack, who's just been absolutely amazing through two games as well. And all of a sudden, you have a semblance of a run-stopping defense right here. Now, the other inside linebacker is a little suspect between Devin Bush and Robert Spillane. And, of course, T.J. Watts out, and that's significant. But, uh, yeah, I think they put it. Uh, they got healthy, and they um, put some players who actually can play there. So it's going to be a huge, huge task on their end. I mean, as Tomlin called them the other day, that's 1A and 1 one and one A running backs. He doesn't ref- consider Kareem Hunt a number two because he's that good. It's just, I mean, it, just like last year, Zach. It's just the question of is, is Cleveland going to actually call some run plays this time? <laughs> unlike they did last year, it's like yeah. you're scratching your head, like what are you doing here? Yeah. But yeah, they've gotten a lot better in that aspect. So um, they struggled last week in, in the in the four minute drill. Last six minutes, they weren't able to stop. New England, but uh, for the most part, they've been pretty impressive in that regards. The Browns ran for 180 last week, Mark, and were 8 of 12 on third down. Brissett played. It was Brissett's Mona Lisa, right? <laughs> um, and the, when it, when that happens, you're supposed to win by 14, and I guess they were supposed to win by 14. They just Well, if your running back just falls over, maybe you do, right? At yeah. least win by seven. But hey, I tell you one thing, Mike Tomlin is a big fan of Jacoby Brissett, and this is his days back in in um, Indianapolis, and he even liked him in Miami last year, I believe he was. So he's has a lot of respect for him. I don't know. Obviously, I haven't watched him that much, and I'm sure he's not as good as um, Deshaun Watson, but they definitely respect his ability to throw the ball in, you know, move the pocket and get outside. It was the Steelers who derailed him in Indy. The Colts were 5-2. and He got hurt against the Steelers, and the season went off the rails. I might. I mean, was that the Curtis Painter year? I don't even know. That was 2019. That's, that's when Roethlisberger got hurt six weeks in. So the Steelers' season was right six weeks and six quarters in. So they they were off the rails way before. That yeah, game. and then the Browns <laughs> lost to the Duck. The Browns led 10-0 and lost to the Duck. I mean, that was a low one. The Duck. The Pretty Duck. He's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just run the ball, Cleveland. Yeah. You want to win? Hand the ball off, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. It's going to be uh, – it's, it's crazy. It's going to be which offensive coordinator is going to be the most inept? Is it going to be Matt Canada right. not throwing the ball down, or is it going to be Cleveland's – I don't even know who is Cleveland's offense. Well, I'll say that, Mark, and, and you mentioned who they played. Like, both games I thought would be first to 20 or first to 17. I mean, the Browns are averaging 28 points a game. They've played a 26-24 game and a 31-30 game. So <laughs> – you know, I think eventually and probably tomorrow we get back to more of that. But, you know, so far it hasn't been that way. You know, you know, the Steelers typically would – I mean, they've had 18 years with Roethlisberger. They always had plans for short weeks. Is They'd take their smaller play call selection stuff they were really familiar with, which was typically no huddle and uh, 
no huddle and stuff like that because it's such a small plan and just use that as their main offense. I don't think they can do that Thursday with Mitch Trubisky because he just hasn't been around enough. So it's going to be interesting of what type of plan they put together here because, like I said, they would normally just go right back to that and say we're going to let the quarterback make the calls, and obviously that's not going to happen Thursday. Uh, I know we're talking about this game here, but, you know, if the Browns win and and the Steelers' offense fails again, um, with the the mini buy ahead, do they make the change to pick it? No, I don't think I think it's going to have to take weeks and months and months and out of the competition for them to go away from Mr. Biscay. One thing about Tomlin, he's hard-headed, and he's had my, he had Mr. Biscay penciled in from day one, and he's not going to yank him unless there's about seven terrible games followed by about 14 terrible practices. Then he'll make that change, but if somebody gets injured, I don't think that's going, going to change regardless of how poorly he's, he's played. I mean, he hasn't played terribly, but there's plays that need to be made out there that Trubisky has not made. He's only played two games in two and a half years. So right. maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit here. Maybe he will get better. So I mean, even look at last year when Roethlisberger struggled really mightily. Everybody wanted to yank him, and Tom's like, nope, that's my guy. He ends up turning around and having seven fourth-quarter comebacks and making playoff, making the playoffs. So he, he doesn't jump the gun. That's not the Steelers' style. That's not Tomlin's style. Yeah. They haven't scored in the first quarter since the Detroit game last November, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, touchdown. And who and who was the uh, quarterback? Oh, Mason Rudolph, Cleveland's <laughs> favorite son. <laughs> it's a kind of snow rainstorm. Yeah, I mean, not only that is, I mean, you look at first drives, and they don't score very much on first drives. They're a three and out type of team. And I don't know. I don't know that script. I don't know what it is, but that, that's that's a, been an issue for years now. That's just not a Trubisky year. That's been a, a, that's been a, a Steelers problem for years, and I don't yeah. know how you fix that. Well, you know, Stefanski is is taking some crap, and some of it's deserved, and some of it's you know whatever. We we would need hours to dive into it, but <laughs> what he's really really good at is early game scripts and building the lead, and um. You know, they could easily put Mitch in a 7-0 or 10-0 hole. And, and, you know, obviously that's what they want to do. Nobody wants to start slow, even though it's a long game, right? But, I mean, I, I, I really think the Browns will come out and they've been creative. It's mostly been the run game, dressing things up. They're not, you know, running triple reverses and launching it down the field. But Brissett's played pretty well, and and they they are a hot starting team. So I think that's probably a key tomorrow. If the Steelers do go three and out and get themselves down – I think the game starts to change. Yeah, and, and actually might benefit the Steelers in some weird way because they'd be forced to throw the ball down the field because they're trailing so early. These first two games, they, they were up seven up and on the Bengals a minute in. And, you know, it was a 7-3 game at halftime with the Patriots. They're just trying to steal a win in both of those games. Maybe if they find themselves down – where they need to shake up the offensive play, calling will end up benefiting them yeah. in the in the long run. But who so, knows? You know, we know Week One with the Bengals was an all time strange game, and it went into overtime and blocked extra points and all that stuff. But last week, you know, they lose by three. Did they have chances to win the game? Um, you know, did did you feel like they were ever going to win that game, or did was it just not their day from the start? 
I mean, they if they would have stopped them in there in the last six minutes, they would have got the ball back and have a chance to win by one. So there was a chance always there for them to win. The problem was their defense allowed that one huge play from Nelson Aguilar. It was just a throw up, you know, go up and get it and score type of plays. The plays you need to win. You, you need to get when you're going to win. But I never felt that the Steelers were going to run the ball on the Patriots consistently uh, and how that was going. I mean, anything can happen. We saw, like you said, in Cincinnati that they could put together one drive and Mr. Trubisky could have a broken play and throw it across his body like he did to Fryermuth in overtime in Cincinnati, and you end up winning. But to me, it was it looked like two average teams to me that – you probably play that game ten times. It's probably five and five because both of those teams I don't think are very good. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Brissett was good all around last week, uh, and I want to give him his props because I have been, you know, someone who had skepticism, and I still do. But Mark, I got to tell you, one thing he's been outstanding at the first two weeks is not going to the ground. You know, he's not a runner, he's not a crazy playmaker, but he's big, and teams have hit him with blitzes, and they've gotten to him, and they haven't gotten him to the ground. So we know the Steelers don't have T.J. Watt. Uh, we know Alex Highsmith had the big game in Week One. You know. Who else to, should Browns fans be aware of, and and do they have guys uh, that can get him to the ground? And, yeah, and you know, crazy guys like guys off the slot, like Arthur Mallette. He comes pretty freely. He reminds me of Mike Hilton. He can put the pressure. Of course, Cam Hayward pushes the pocket. Ogunjobi can push the pocket. But as for outside guys, they got Malik Reed filling in for Watt. And I don't think they like to blitz a lot, especially with Flores in there, which is strange because Flores typically liked to blitz when he was in New England, his first stint. They want to get to you with four. They think they can do that with any sort of combination of, you know, that's Alu Alu, Okunjobi, Hayward, Highsmith, or even some of those inside guys like to blitz. So you're not going to sit there and have T.J. Watt, who, by the way, has what 14 and a half career sacks against the, the Browns? I think it's by yeah, far the most. Yeah, 15 and a half just in that Monday night game last year. <laughs> so it's by far the most he's had against. And I think he's missed a game against the Browns as well. So it's one fewer than what you think. But uh, yeah, they don't have that guy. Highsmith was good against Cincinnati. He, he had some pressure uh, last week, but he was just a click short, uh, you know, of getting to. The quarterback as well, but they don't have any stud left out there that this is going to, but nobody's filling in for 22 and a half sacks. Yeah. They're going to have to try to scheme a little bit more than they were typically would scheme with. Uh, like I said, they acquired Malik Reed from Denver a couple of weeks ago and he didn't play poorly, but once again, he's a small version of small, less talented version of TJ Watts. So. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, if he's the Browns, to move, you got to get him I mean, to the ground, right? The quarterback gonna, and the running backs, you got to get him to the ground. And where, where that's going to probably come is up the middle with Hayward, Logan Joby, 
uh, Alu Alu, those type of guys where they're very good at just pushing the pocket back in your face. Maybe not sacking him, but just making him a little bit uncomfortable. Right. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We got to talk about Joe Hayden. He's calling it quits. Um, how about that? Seven years in Cleveland, five in Pittsburgh. Was that a little bit of a dart to the Steelers here? Well, I don't think the ceremony's coming tomorrow. I think it was uh, kind of, you know, assumed because it said one day contract. But, you know, obviously it caught everybody off guard. I mean, I think just a few weeks ago, everybody was like, look, and where's is Joe Hayden going to play? So, uh, but he I mean, he went to Pittsburgh. They signed him like two hours after the Browns cut him. The, the Browns were incompetent then. He was yeah, a good player. Were, he earned he a second very, contract very there, right? Player. Yeah, he's earned a second contract, and he was the leader of that locker room for a while there. He was very productive in his time there. But, you know, you get to the point in your career where you're comfortable maybe on the West Coast and the teams that are offering you money isn't nearly as much money as you've earned already, and you start to think, what what am I doing here? That's how I feel Hayden was. I mean, there was a there was a perfect situation where the Rams come calling in his backyard and say, "Come play for a couple mil." I'm sure he'd still keep be, be played. I think he's still talented enough to do that. But at one point, do you do you say, you know, I'm not flying to New England. I'm not playing for Carolina. I'm not going to Jackson. Whatever. I think that was a big part of why he's not playing anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, good guy. Uh, finally remembered here in Cleveland. And, you know, he was a good player. A young Joe Hayden would throw his body around. He was a really good cover corner. Uh, but he kind of took on like a very public role. You know, he was young. He liked to be seen. But he also was a team spokesman. They had no veteran leaders then, really. Yeah. And if I had a dollar for every time he had to stand up and talk about Josh Gordon or Johnny Manziel, I'd have yeah. a lot more money than I have right now. And he wasn't he, – I'll tell you, for having conversations with him, he wasn't quite happy of how – the ending part of it happened yeah. in Cleveland. Oh, it was uh, complete mismanagement. I mean, yes. obviously the, the the news wasn't even official, and the Steelers had him in Pittsburgh. Remember that? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> like, 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 what were they doing? I mean, I've been here so long, and this is how they treat me type of situation. Yeah. So, yeah, great guy. He won our chief award. Good guy. We're the first year he was here. Yeah, that's, we usually keep that away. From, we usually give that to people who've been around and show they can do it for years. But we all sure. just said, nah, hey, man, he's the guy. All right. Mark, I got Browns 19, Steelers 17, Cade York at the buzzer. What say you? Ooh, I might never – I can't see the score. Steelers scoring more than 10 points unless they have a, make a pick six. So I'm going to say you know, 14 to 10, Browns. Okay. I, still, I can't see the Steelers scoring any points, and I think the defense will be – good enough to keep them in check here. I think it's going to be a good game, though. So, Jacoby Brissett is a, he's a funny guy. He's an entertaining guy, but he really doesn't give much content to his answers, you know? But it did strike me yesterday. I was kind of zoning out from his press conference where he was delivering a few one-liners and all cliches. Then all of a sudden, he got asked a question, and he said, you find 39. You break the huddle, and you find 39. I'm like, yep, he's he's familiar with Brown Steelers history. Yeah, he's been he's been – Minka's been – Unbelievable. I mean, it's just not these first two games either. You saw this in training camp. You saw this in the preseason. He his mind's at a different level, and he's just he's just playing very, very good ball right now. I would try to keep it away from him, and he's right. Find him and go somewhere else. But the thing is, is they teams used to be able to find him last year, the year before that. 
they're moving him around where it's not as simple as that anymore. You don't just go, okay, he's playing one, you know, he's one of the free, free safety, so he's quarters of the field. Let's just throw it to the left. It's just they don't do that anymore. Yeah. They let him freelance a little more. Yeah, sounds like a good move. All right, well, thank you, uh, Mark. Thank you guys for listening. Um, this is your pregame Brown Steeler Civilized Barking Podcast. Sometime Friday morning, you'll wake up to um, a postgame podcast with me and Jason Lloyd. So it's week three. It's a big one for the Browns for a lot of reasons as we've been over them. So again, thanks to Mark Caboli. Thanks to you guys. Um, subscribe. Subscribe to The Athletic. Download, share, review, all that stuff that you do. And uh, we will talk to you after what's a really, really important ball.